We call it the Taliban song. We're going to get the game. So we're going to What's up, my miners of intelligence and con- What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. We got a fireside chat and a Taliban special. I hope you like the opening song we have. There's a lot of uh, a lot of fucking crazy stuff going on right now in the world. Um, what's up? What's up, you know, John? Sorry. I the 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 funny thing is I saw Toby Keith on this tour. Uh, when I lived in uh, in Lafayette, he played at Purdue University at uh, Elliott Hall of Music. It was a, a pretty damn good concert. That, that sounds awesome. So I'm not going to lie. I have been scouring the net, and I have seen some very dark things. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why it is. I'm very fascinated by the the darker side of human nature. I think it's so interesting. I'm a man of extremes, and I like extremes. And so, like, I definitely watched the security chief of Afghanistan surrender, which is a badass, and then get executed. There's a video. Have you seen it? I have not seen it, but I would. It's it's I think I want terrible. I think I want to. Unfortunately, no. I'll send you the link right now. (laughs) Okay. Hold on. And they're gonna pull it down. This is on Reddit, but I'll send it to you. And oh, it's on Reddit. Okay. Yeah, it's on Reddit. Um, you gotta go to what's it called? We're in a group chat. No, I, I'm just that's true, but I, I have it on my phone. I'm sorry. Now this I'm whole drunk. it's been hard. This whole situation is kind of impossible to not see the really harsh and shitty side of humanity in this whole situation because there's there's honestly no way that it can't be. Uh, just, just dropped it to you. Absolutely devastating. Well, you know, it's, I find, so I don't know what people expect. I'm hot take right now. Uh, I'm in favor of us pulling out. Oh, me too. Absolutely. That, I mean, that said that, that we waited till the Taliban was the strongest it's pretty much ever been in 20 years to do it and then we don't listen to advisors and the people that have started foundations and have been trying to work with the government on a great evacuation plan or a whatever pulling out plan we just don't listen to anything that these people have to say and i just i just watched that video that's that's (laughs) you did yeah it's it's rough dude yeah it's rough it's fucking rough yeah it, it well, I mean that's just execution style. But he didn't have to surrender; he just did, dude. I mean, which is good for him, at least, you know, for at least having principles. There's a lot. Did you see the video of the the guy that was on the the wing of the plane? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was that the was, la- dude. That was fucking awful. That was a lot. Uh, the whole. The whole thing has been a lot seeing it because it's been like, I don't know, I've been trying, I've been obviously been thinking about it quite a bit recently, and it, it's insane to think I'm 31 years old, and for 20 years of my life, this war has been going on. And I, like, I remember when we invaded Afghanistan when I was like 12, and just have been like, this has been the one political thing through my whole life that has like, I guess, radicalized me in a way because I was never really a big fan of war when I was younger. 
or violence, I guess. But after seeing this and then my kind of political awakening all rolls into this as like me paying attention to stuff because I started reading books by like Michael Hastings, uh, like uh, I Lost My Love in Baghdad, which was about the Iraq War and the, all the corruption there. And I've read a bunch of other books just around the subject of just kind of the American empire. And it's it's kind of surreal to finally having seen this thing, like these things that are happening are things that everyone has been saying are go- were going to happen as soon as we pulled out and things that I have been thinking are going to happen for that whole time. And it's just surreal to see it finally happening because like when we left Viet- when the United States left Vietnam, another war we should have never been involved in. Saigon, when Saigon fell, it was pretty bad. It looked it looked bad. This is I I can't even fathom the amount of <laughs> of times worse that this is for the United States and for the United States standing in the world, which I mean, we both have acknowledged is cratering and has been cratering for a moment. I don't know, though. Um, I don't know which what would be worse, you know, Saigon or Afghanistan. Like, I don't know if one's worse than the other. I think they're both really shitty situations. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it is interesting. Like, um, I, I, I wonder, wonder what the next where the next war is. That's I what I'm thinking about. So because if if you noticed on like I five the Humvees are no longer they're n- they're not they're not desert anymore they're green yeah it's I mean super you know you know where it's you know where it's gonna be <laughs> it's either it's I either mean, literally gonna be in the South China Sea or it's gonna be a proxy war in Africa in Central I Africa I don't know it's it's it is interesting because I this is all right this are we ready put your tinfoil hat we're going we're boy, here we're, we're, yeah we're, we're we've been here. here I was born with a tinfoil hat all right so here we go so how if and I just it's funny I just had a phone call, conversation about this prior to this podcast I got all fired up I don't think that this is what's going on I just want to be very clear here but it's fun to think about because maybe <laughs> what if we we use this right like if i'm a guy that's in propaganda all right what do i want to do like i want to stir america is one of the most emotional countries out there i mean we have a, we have a large heart and if you you hurt us we lash out at you with vengeance we have a volunteer army like we're you know we're crazy people i love it i love it but we pull out and we see the left pushing back at by a lot of people that are Democrats are fucking livid. And then you've got the Republicans that are also pissed. This is terrible, right? Everyone's mad. But if you think about it in a year or two, you know, we're all going to remember what we did to the interpreters, our allies that we left behind. Yeah. You know, I think we, what's... we cost, hold okay, on. I'm sorry. We caught, we cost, we cost people their lives. And, I'm thinking maybe you use that and maybe you shift the focus to other humanitarian crises. It's like, okay, we can redeem ourselves. This is going to be good optics for us. Maybe start pointing out what's going on with the Uyghur Muslims and that, that, that fucking genocide that's occurring right now. Or maybe you actually point out the genocide that's going on in North Korea and then maybe we do something. I don't think that this is going to happen and God forbid it does. It's just a conspiracy theory because because maybe I would like to think 
have that that they could pivot and do something like yeah like you said focus on humanitarian crises or some way to parlay this into as much of a win as you can get from from wasting 60,000 Afghan soldiers, 30,000 plus Afghan civilians and another I don't know 5,000 Americans it's going to be tough and I think what makes what makes this worse than Saigon is that what happened in Saigon is just what's happening now except we have so much more insight into what's going on because of the media is a, the corporate media is a much more all inclusive all all knowing thing everyone has cameras twitter exists like the day before the day before we left when when uh, the taliban was they were still saying that within 30 days the taliban would begin a siege on kabul and within 90 they would have to surrender because all of their supplies would be run out this was like 2 days before the taliban actually got to kabul were just Snapchat videos and just on on Twitter people make like posting Snapchat videos from people in Kabul that are in like upper class wealthy circles just acting like nothing is going on like it was it was it was eerie how they were so completely just disconnected like the rest of us but on top of that i think you see you see more perspective from the ground but then too we know because of how extensive the media is and how much of a divisive subject this has been like this this has been i think as divisive as vietnam except this uh, vietnam was what only like 7 to 12 years maybe we've we've been here for two decades we know exactly how many afghans helped us and it was i think it was something like 45,000 it's uh, 80, 80, 86,000. 86,000 applications yeah. for visas. And as of about four days ago, they had processed all of 2% of those visas. And they're saying they're, and they've, and they've tried to say that they're going to get everyone out by the end of the month, that they're moving 12,000 people per day, per 24 hour period out of Kabul and out of Afghanistan to safety. The best that they have been able to muster is 4,000 people a day. And there's probably a few hundred thousand people worth of refugees, just desperate. And I, I, I don't, I, I hope, I hope that the one thing that can come out of this is that while this, this farce has been horrendous for Afghanistan, for the United States domestically, for its reputation and its in its history. It's going to be bad. But the one positive that might come out of this is that we basically sacrifice the future of our nation and people in Afghanistan that have gotten standing because of the reforms that happened while we were there, especially when it comes to women and children and just freedom in general people have finally had a, had that taste of freedom and i think we might see that i mean there's already a, a resistance happening there's a lot of people marching in all the biggest cities to try to prevent the taliban and it's only a matter of time before the taliban snaps and starts shooting and then now there's a civil war that at least the taliban might be defeated by afghans which is what should have happened all along but I mean, you can't even say that because it goes back further than this. We've, you know, we, we trained the Mujahideen 
in the in the mid to late 70s to fight the soviets who were trying to invade for the exact same reasons for the mineral caches the trade routes and the opium and drug trade and we trained and armed and funded the mujahideen and then surprise surprise the taliban exists after that it's just like isis when we armed and funded isis no, 100%. But I don't know what world you're living in, but that's not going to happen. The Taliban is going to eliminate all threats. It's going to be a Machiavellian play. I don't think the Taliban is that Machiavellian. I think you're giving them too much credit. What? Are, you just watched them assassinate someone. There's about to right. be like but 200 more videos. But assassination not Machiavellian. That. That's just brute they're force. Going to, dude, they're going to kill and anyone that is going to oppose their political or their agenda, it is they're going to probably institute Sharia law. It's going oh, to yeah. be the same bullshit that's always been, and that's just how it's going to be. I don't know. I, mean, I don't maybe, know. I think you give them to. I mean, they've the reason that they have. Okay, okay won, wait, t- time out. Sure. Time out. You literally, they literally just took over a country in eight days. That's one of the biggest military collapses. That's right. it. I do understand. I do understand that the 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 Afghan armed forces were not it's, it's being a little paid. generous to call them a military. They, they, like. they were having, they were having, they weren't being paid. Um, they were having problems with their supply chain. I understand all these mm-hmm. things, but still they, they lost their country in eight days. Right. So right. we're looking at, we're looking and, and the Taliban's the strongest it's been in 20 years. So we're looking at a very, Oh yeah. I mean, we're not some we're somehow not organized back. organism and I just don't think that everyone's going to unite and it's going to be all hunky-dory. No, I don't think everyone is going to reunite, but I think that there is actually going to be the beginnings of a resistance movement because there's no way that all of these people, because all of the people in Afghanistan can't be, just statistically can't be in support of the Taliban. There's got to be some portion of people that will, and they and those people likely have seen some sort of... I like non-direct, indirect gains and just freedoms. And I, I just, I don't know. I think human nature is like, you think that, like, look at Hong Kong, right? Hong Kong has been free for about 45, well, was free for about 45, 50 years when the United States and Britain controlled it. And then in the last year, you've seen China forcibly take over Hong Kong and reintegrate it into China. And people free, in Hong Kong fought, and they're still fighting. It's not over. That's and it's the same thing. Like, I think that there's enough people that the seeds of something have been sown, and it may not it may not bloom for a good thirty, fifty years. Who knows? But I I don't think that it's going to be quite the same because the only reason, like the reason the Taliban won, and the reason the Taliban was able to fight so so efficiently was because it's the same reason why in the French Indian war that the British were just absolutely made fools of was because the Indians and the the French worked with the Indians and the Indians knew the territory and didn't fight like line up, you know, like Napoleonic battles line up and shoot at each other and hope you don't get hit or killed. These people, they knew the land. They had the high ground every time because they are the high ground that's their strength they're not org they are organized but i don't think if they were to come up against some su- some sort of organized force because you know that we're yeah we're going to pull out but you know as soon as we're gone the cia is going to be back there if there's any kind of thing trying to turn it into a puppet government just cohort like a um covertly 
I mean, I think that there's probably going to be some sort of little resistance party, but I don't think it's going to, I mean, I just, I have no, I don't really have a lot of hope that to ask, we, that country is the graveyard of empires. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. It has, it has really not changed for thousands of years. Alexander the Great couldn't hold it. British couldn't hold it. The Russians couldn't hold it. We couldn't hold it. Mm-hmm. Like they have maintained a weird tribal society, semi, you know, semi tribal. There's, there's obviously a city there, Kabul and whatnot, but like they, they, they've always been deep in the opium trade. And I just don't see that that place is ready to change. I mean, see, yeah, I think, I think you could see kind of like, I don't know. I think I think we're both look. I'm definitely looking at it through like American lens, obviously. Looking at it through fucking rose colored yeah. lenses, buddy. Like a hundred percent. You're hope. not that's being like, realistic at all. I know that's the best hope I can have for it because I mean it's like you made a, you made a good point. The like when watching the news over the past few days when really everything was kind of escalating on Monday and Tuesday them talking about like you know like uh when was that on tuesday to an afghan uh military fighter jet was shot down over uzbekistan because the two pilots were trying to defect and like seeing all those videos on sunday night and monday of just like lines miles long lines of just traffic that are all uh, American Humvees that were given to the Afghan military that are all on a road waiting to go through checkpoints into Iran trying to defect to get out. You know, it's the tribe, like, the that's why so many people laid down their guns and joined the Taliban when everything fell was because it isn't a country. It's, it's, tri- it's a loosely held tribal, like, confederacy almost. Yeah, and they have their own, they have their own, they have the Kurds, they have a bunch of people that... They're always fighting, but not always fighting much. I'm just like it's it's not it's not it's there. It's a completely different culture, yeah. than what we have here. My and go on. It's a completely different culture than what we have here, and for us to try and fix it, it just. I mean, I'm kind of upset. Okay, dark. I'm upset that we didn't extract any of the minerals. Like shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no I'm sure one we can. Did. We could never. We uh, could never hold the territory long enough to to try to even have the time to mine it. You know. know and it's funny. Know. It's funny that for it's been it's been my favorite part of this whole thing has been watching all of these the 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 myths and this all the propaganda about like we're nation building we're bringing freedom to them we're helping them understand democracy and what they can get through that and through free market economics or whatever and just the corporate media is just coming out and being like the taliban has all of the precious metals and minerals that we desperately need and it's like Mm. that's why we went you could have said this like instead of just lying to everyone for 20 plus years that now you're desperate can you can you pull that up? Did we mine anything during those twenty years? Like I, I can't God's imagine sakes, I we did. Ho- I hope so. That's terrible, but fuck it. I'm a terrible person. Let's see. They estimated. Uh, there's well, okay. So the the Pentagon and the USGS says that they estimate there's one trillion dollars worth of value of minerals. Yeah, min- there lithium are, and shit. There's six lapis mines. Six of the largest lapis lazuli mines in the world are there. Okay, did we did we did we take control Let's over those? See. Did we get some money? I doubt it. I'm looking. 
I mean, I can't imagine that we did just because everything, everything changed so much so often there, there wasn't ever really like kind of stability enough anywhere that I would think that you would have the time to build that kind of infrastructure. We got to find, we got to find somebody that either served over there, some like a defense contractor or something. I'd love to talk to him about this. Cause I mean, I do feel, I did you feel completely underqualified to be speak? I'm just giving opinions. I don't really give a lot of facts. I'm just giving feelings, but I'd like to talk to someone that was like, actually there boots on the ground because yeah. all i could think about when i was watching some of these videos i i i just like man i, I should have joined the military because i could have been there and like witnesses for myself mm-hmm. i mean that's assuming that you didn't you just don't get killed in some random firefight too like th- this i mean was, that'd be, that'd... this was very much a guerrilla war kind of akin to iwo jima well, no 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 i'm saying like right now during pulling people out like kind oh, of holding yeah. a perimeter like i think that would be fascinating I, I i don't i don't know why i would want to to experience that but i think that that'd be a very interesting powerful experience i think so and it, it's Just like the, there. it's yeah it's the it's the feeling of I don't know. I'm tired of living through like historically unprecedented times at this point, but the upside of it is you do like seeing history firsthand would be yeah. fascinating. You know, like I would have loved to have been, I mean, it wouldn't have been possible cause I was like two, but to have been in Vilnius in, uh, 1990, when was that? 1993 when we finally threw the Russians out, you know, or any number of things of that caliber. That would be cool. I, you know, we've seen a lot. I mean, the only history we've seen it has just been like super shitty. You know, it's been terrible. We haven't seen any. We, what 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 good history? That's actually a good question. Let's try and turn the bummer cast around. What good history have we seen in our lives? Well, we have recently just seen a massive, probably the biggest step in vaccine technology since probably Boom. 45 years ago with the mRNA vaccines, which Moderna just a couple days ago just released a press release that they are beginning human trials of an mRNA HIV vaccine that will be complete in about a year. And if it has even a tenth of the efficacy of the COVID-style vaccines then this has legs to far-reaching implications much beyond hiv it could cure dangerous viruses it could cure cancer because they they work in a very similar way like this is this is huge this is probably the pandemic's going to be like that's what's going to come out of it that's going to be like kind of like the silver lining or the rage virus or the, yeah <laughs> see speaking of rage virus like i am i was so skeptical um so skeptical of the whole lab leak theory of covid bro i was for, I bought in all along dude i was so skeptical because i wasn't thinking in like i was thinking too complex i think because i was thinking like if this is a bioweapon this thing sucks because most of your population that gets it is just going to get the sniffles and move on. But when everything started coming out, especially about when they sequenced the genome and they found portions of the HIV uh, DNA sequence in it, which is impossible uh, to have happened. Um, And then a friend of mine made a really good point is, you know, most, most viruses generally the life cycle is they become less like more infectious and less virulent 
so that they don't kill their host so that they can thrive. COVID's been the opposite of that. It doesn't really make sense how it's getting exponentially stronger. And in a very short order, like we've gone from having near 100% efficacy of these vaccines to now within uh, a year, a calendar year, a little over calendar year, maybe they're now 93% and there's enough breakthrough infections that vaccinated people are part of the transmission cycle again. Dude, I, I literally, while you were talking, I was contemplating killing myself because I'm so <laughs> it's fucking hard. over. It's hard for me. Like, so this has been something like I've, I have been, you know, welcome to John's anxious, depressed head in therapy. I've been talking a lot about lately about how the most of my my anxiety is not from life stuff. Like I don't feel generally anxious. I don't feel very anxious about things I have to do. What makes me anxious is seeing all these things around me that seemed like far-flung futures or like some things like thinking like with like climate change, thinking like, man, I could, it's my, it's going to suck for my kids or maybe my grandkids. And we need to do something to try to help or stop this to where now, like that newest IPCC report that came out last week, like it's accelerating at a rate that we're potentially five to 10 years away from runaway global warming. Let me, let me, let me help you out here. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me help you out. Okay. Of all the things that you've just listed, mm-hmm. what, what of, what in that list can you control? I mean, none of it. Okay. Right. None of it. Right. All right. And that, cool. but that is the root so, of the hold anxiety. On. So, so you can control none of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you worrying about it literally does nothing but waste time and energy. You know what you can control? You can control your diet. You can control your effort and you can control your attitude. Right. And it's, I agree with you though. It is, you have to admit, it is scary to think that all of these kind of doomsday scenarios they talked about global warming with like, not necessarily like the rising seas, but more so it's the extreme weather that is going to probably be the worst. That it is a little daunting to think that like, like for the past like five, six years in Oregon, every single summer has been getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And it seems to have leveled off this year. It was pretty damn hot, but it didn't get terrible so but even with basic predictions it's gonna get worse and i mean all that it's it's hard for me in my brain like yes i'm very positive about my personal life and about my personal future and about our personal future um what is hard for me to move past is just all these things around me kind of in flames you know to not like not necessarily not acknowledge them but you got to stop paying attention. Like I, as soon as I got the shot, I was like, "Yeah, I'm done with this. Like I don't care. I did what you told me to do. The government, whatever. You know, t- was it something that I wanted to do? No, but I did it. You know, I wanted things mm-hmm. to go back to normal, but I'm done now. And I can't. I, I can't. The only thing you can really control, like if you're, if it, we keep it keeps hitting heating up here, well, maybe you got to move north. Mm-hmm. You move up to Alaska where the fishing's still good. You could just subsist off the land. I, you know? I've, I watched that that one uh, Alaskan <laughs> homestead show and genuinely I, want, to, want to go. Never, but like, I have I've never seen that. But but what I'm trying to say, man, is like worrying about that stuff. Doesn't it's it's a dark road. 
Yeah. It really doesn't lead to anything good. Like you have to like all that we have is right now, this moment. That's it. Mm-hmm. The the past doesn't exist anymore, right? It's a it's a distant memory, and then the future hasn't occurred yet. But what what we have right now is this: the present moment. That's it. Then breathe out. All this other shit, it doesn't matter. There's nothing we can do about it. You can try. I mean, I try and live sustainably. We can do the small little incremental steps, mm-hmm. but. Thinking about it and, and having anxiety, I think that that's also I think that's also kind of sometimes a problem with what's going on in mainstream societies. We're all just so so worried, and we know too many things. Yeah, I think it's def- we have so it's, much knowledge. It's definitely a symptom of being overconnected. Like there's or over. I think it's just like culturally cultural overstimulation. Like all of these types of mental illness that are so common nowadays: depression, anxiety. Um, eating disorders, like eating disorders are a sign of like abundance. It's like opulence, you know? But don't you, don't you, and I'm sorry to cut you off oh, there. No, you're fine. Um, but don't you think, like, here's what I think, and I'm going to just come out right out and sit. I feel like fucking being mentally ill is like in now. I feel it like it of, is. It kind of I, is. Yeah, so it's yeah, hard I to feel tell. Like, yeah, I feel like it's a hundred percent in. I think it's popular, and I think that like, I think there are a lot of people that are fucking reading things on Instagram or Twitter, and and they're they're like, oh, you know what? I have this. I have that. I'm 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 this this this, and it's like, what are you fucking putting in your diet? You know? Oh, I mean, what, you're are not. You, you're... Are you going outside and walking barefoot on the ground and looking up at the sky? Are you fucking looking at screens? Are they? When's the last time you went on a run? When's the last time you know, like all these things? I just feel like we lit. Like I feel like I feel like we're kind of soft. I feel like sometimes our society's soft, and I also feel like I feel like because we have it so good that it like that. You know, the worst thing that has ever happened to someone is like this pandemic or someone saying something mean to them on Twitter, you know, and I feel like people just don't know. The worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened. So who am I to judge? But there are people that have been through a lot, you know, a lot harder things and have come out with resolve and grit and determination and i just i don't know man sometimes right. i mean I I'm, see, I'm with you, you know, i'm with you and and that's so to to support your point that's what i mean by saying like things like you know like eating disorders are generally are disorders of like abundance that's why they don't really occur in you know places where food security is a problem because people don't even have the opportunity. It's like, that's what, you know, and it's a combination of like a lot of things. And I think like, I think, yeah, I think it is kind of in the milieu to be mentally ill or it's a, it, I think it's a symptom of now people are and have been like overcompensating almost to break stigmas about mental health because it is it is genuinely a serious problem that has affected people forever but there is a yeah. lot of things that are much more now because of like just the environmental stressors and environmental characteristics that are happening like i'm i definitely like feel like anxiety and ADHD are a symptom of the fact that 
the world is way too fucking fast now for quite a lot of people. And it's not necessarily good for the people that can even handle it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I'm 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 with you on that. I I'm, I th <clears throat> I definitely think that I'm glad that mental illness is being destigmatized. But God, I feel like there's a lot of fucking posers. Oh, you know? I mean, there definitely really are. Do. There definitely I really are. do. As much as you know, I am not somebody who thinks that you have to have a doctor or a psychiatrist or somebody like a medical professional diagnose you with mental illness to know if you have it because self-diagnosis is just as valid because like I've gone through a lot of shit with medical stuff with doctors over the course of my life. And the only reason that we ended up getting to successful conclusions was because for so much of it, I was ignored or just dismissed or told I was exaggerating and then finally just doing research and getting more data and more information and pushing and pushing, then finally it was recognized. So like being able to look at a like smart and do some reasoning, like definitely you shouldn't be able to like get your know, medication without having doctors. Okay. But I think like self-diagnosing is important and is good. And I think that leads to a lot of then potentially like either misdiagnosis because it's not you maybe aren't you're like kind of surface level knowledgeable about psychology but maybe not like one or two levels down where you get into how things interact and how things interacting can be a symptom of something else entirely that never was you know so there's a lot of, I think a lot of people, like you said, a lot of posers or people who are wanting to feel like they're cool or like they're part of a group with people who have mental illness or something like it somehow becomes some sort of like a status symbol to an, ex to, uh, uh, an extent, like how people always say like ADHD is a superpower or something when it's like, yeah, it can be pretty cool, but I'm going to tell you it's pretty shitty most of the time. Um, and just kind of like a very like I said, overcompensating with breaking stigmas to almost try to turn it into a, in, an entirely positive thing when it, 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 it's a mixed bag at best. I don't know, man. Like, I, see, I don't even know if I believe in ADHD because I was, I was diagnosed. Sure. But really what it was is if I'm not interested in anything, I'm not going to fucking pay attention to it. But if right. I, if you find something that interests me, like you can focus. You mm -hmm. have no fo you have no problem focus on sound engineering or creating things, right? right. Like that's not an issue. But that's because I have a disordered like dopamine system, you know. There is like I think a lot of people like ADHD is a very good example. I think ADHD was very poorly understood in the beginning when it was like really starting to being diagnosed a ton like in the 90s and just you know, if you were just like a hyperactive child, not in a disordered way, just you were basically a child, it could be easy just to throw pills at them to get them to calm down. But I think there are a lot of people that do have like ADHD is also like a terribly misunderstood disorder because, you know, I think a lot of people who have been diagnosed with it probably, you know, it may be overkill to say it, but like it's not necessarily just like, the I can focus, yes. 
focus isn't necessarily it's like ADHD is misunderstood that it's not a lack of focus. It's a lack of regulation of the ability to focus. So the reason why like I can, or like you, and I'm not saying that you, you know, one way or the other, but I'm very similar. I have no issue focusing on anything that I find fascinating, exciting, enjoyable because I'm getting dopamine dopamine hits from it and it's making my brain make serotonin to make me feel good and function but really what ADHD is is a lack of executive function control so like getting yourself to do tasks you don't want to do like life stuff do the dishes clean the house go to work work a job that's boring just because you know you can get money for it and suffer through that there are things that can like, you know, the reason that Adderall works for me and for people that have brains like this is because Adderall is literally a shotgun. It just makes your body produce as much, as much serotonin as possible and you don't need the dopamine. But don't you think you can learn to do the things you hate doing if you try and cultivate like discipline, right? Like I think so. Because like it's, it's not something that, I'm just saying, and I'm not in any any way trying to, um, like, I don't know, put you down or anything. No, I don't. I do not think you're trying to like invalidate my experience or anything like that. Cool, 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 cool. Um, But like, I, I, I sometimes thought that, like, when I was a kid, especially, uh, I quit taking my meds because it just changed my personality. Like, it made me Mm -hmm. a drone. I wanted to be happy go lucky, and then. in college, allegedly, I just sold them. You know, <laughs> allegedly. See, I think I allegedly. think you fall allegedly. into the. Uh, I think you fall into the category of people that had maybe have tendencies. Don't try towards... self. No, 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 Self diagnose me, Demarco. No, no, no. Okay? I'm saying I How think somebody you. might have had I'm like you have you. tendencies that can say ADHD, but I don't think you have ADHD to an extent that medication would be worth it or even at all, really. No, I, because, I, like I, you I, said, you can you you can. So there there is, there are things that yes, a lot of things discipline can solve everything or most everything. But well, I mean, you have to you have to want to cultivate discipline. But I right. I will say this: I I am kind of fucking with you a little bit. No, um, I know, I know. The, but I I yeah, I like honestly, I like it because it forces me to actually come up with like logical and and and, and <laughs> arguments to actually tell people like facts and stuff. So, but I think I think I really do think. For me personally, right? Mm-hmm. For I, it's just like it's like um, I'm not a big proponent of SSRIs or mm-hmm. any, and I'm not a p- proponent of any like pharmaceutical drug. I, I want, I don't want. I think we're a too heavily medicated society, right? Mm-hmm. I think that we lean on pills to solve problems that hard work and diet could probably solve, right? Well, That's my philosophy. So. So that but is, for, I mean, that everyone. is the that is the philosophy of what any decent psychiatrist will tell you, is that you don't get SSRIs to to fix your life. What you do is you get SSRIs to, if you're struggling with like anxiety or you just can't get over the hump because of not because of you just can't kick yourself in the pants, get up, go for a run when you're tired. You know, it's a, it's a built-in defect. It's no different than like, say if you had like a thyroid disorder that you would have to take thyrosine 
to or a thyroid hormone to get up to baseline and then diet exercise all of those things help push you up and up and up it kind of basically just puts you kind of at the baseline where an average person should be um and and then that's it and in 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 pills won't do shit if you don't know coping if, if you don't have actual skills to help yourself 100 percent, and i couldn't like i couldn't agree with you more and that said every time you say something like i just said you also have to realize that all the stories i've heard that's just these are just one instances for in sure. certain case like that type of intervention is ne- necessary and needed but it's just like i guess my own personal truth right right is i just believe that a lot of people might not have the tools to like work through things but really i believe that you are I believe that you are your the solution to all of your problems and i believe and i wish that we all i guess that's really what it boils down to is i have a very strong belief in myself and like the goal of this show like but my life's mission is to is to somehow reach other people so that they believe those same the those same things like that you are the answer to all of your problems mm-hmm. you know you make a choice and you stick with it and through sheer grit and determination you can do anything like that's what i believe yeah like, and that, I, with all my heart i i believe the same i think that you like i said pills won't do shit for you if you don't have the motivation to either learn or apply the coping skills that you develop or you should be developing in therapy, which is the whole point of therapy is to help you get past what you are dealing with. Um, And to kind of go back to your point of like you with ADHD meds, ADHD meds aren't effective for everybody. You know, sometimes it is just, you need to do things to kind of help yourself. Like, you know, you exercise a lot, but even with somebody like me, I take Adderall, I take Adderall for my ADHD. I take Lexapro for my depression and my, uh, my generalized anxiety. But if I don't actually do things to help myself, my ADHD and my anxiety and my depression get exponentially worse. I still have to exercise. I still have to eat right. Like I, if I don't eat well for like a string of like three days, especially if it's like a lot of drinking or a lot of sugar heavy things, my anxiety is through the roof a few days later because of all the sugar I'm like detoxing from, you know? So it it takes, I think it takes both. And I think that is unfortunately right now, we're still kind of like getting through all the shit that psychopharmacology did to mental illness in the nineties when, you know, SSRIs have come so far and all psychological drugs have come so far in that timeline since the nineties when, you know, they were handing out antidepressants left, right, and center because they thought they were a wonder drug, and they really aren't. They can work for some, but they're not universal. You know, another thing that I also want to point out is um, I I have the toughest time understanding, like, anxiety because mm-hmm. I'm really not an anxious person at all. It's basically like it's a generalized anxiety or PTSD, which is an anxiety disorder, 
all come from it's a disordered um, fight or flight response, basically. So like anxiety, whether generalized or PTSD can just, it's like generalized anxiety is basically like waking up and feeling like there's a gun at your head and there's no reason to feel stressed. There's no reason to feel rushed. There's no reason to feel threatened. It's just like people who have panic attacks like that are, that can be cued visually or auditorily. Um, it's your brain, your subconscious, like lizard brain thinking like, this was something that you saw that was similar to, to when something happened to you and your brain is basically misfiring that it is a dangerous thing and that you need to be like run or panic. It's <clears throat> that kind of anxiety. It's, it's different. Like imagine like you've been, so you may not know what anxiety in terms of like generalized anxiety feels like, but you know what it feels like to be anxious. There's been some sort of time in your life where like you were really nervous about a test or you were super nervous about a game that you were going to play in. Or like you were really nervous, like if you were having a fight with somebody or a, an argument with a significant other and that kind of like anticipatory, like angst that's inside you that just feels like vibrating. But both. I like that. feel. Right. I like that feeling it makes me feel alive. So that feeling. Yeah, I could imagine liking it, too, if it if that wasn't like what you felt like 24 seven as a baseline, like there is no there is no calm. You know, like you can feel that feeling and then within a reasonable amount of time feel like in a good way, feel nothing, you know, with, with generalized anxiety that the nothing doesn't ever happen or it's very, very few and far between or like ADHD, it's a disordered way to regulate that. So your body's like super anxious about everything, but then when shit happens, you don't feel anything or anything like that. And so the, m the medication is just used to help kind of reset the, the system back to where it should be and give you the opportunity to develop coping skills and do lots of thinking and working on yourself so that you don't have to worry about those triggers or those things that can cause you to have anxiety and then the generalized anxiety is gone anyway, so it doesn't just amplify that. Because, like, it's the best way I can describe it is when either before I was taking Lexapro or the, like, one or two times that I forgot to take it or something that it just fell out of my system and had to rebuild was this feeling of I, I need to be in a hurry and I need to rush because it just feels like I've got like a knife at my throat and I've just got to hurry. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And it just affects everything. It affects your ability to focus on what you need to get done. It affects your ability to do those tasks or those things to the actual extent of your ability. Um, it, it, it's a truly like overarching disorder that when you do finally get relief from that, which I am lucky that I have been now for a while that my medication seems to be working. It's given me the opportunity to actually like be like, it's been a revelation over the past like six months, finally getting my medication to the right level, which it takes everybody time to do it of just being able to fucking exist. And 
go left or right or do what I want and not have to panic all the time. You know, like I still have anxiety occasionally, but it's mostly situational based. It's not just like I'm just anxious as a state of being. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. No, it's at all. It's truly difficult. And I think I think that's that's one of the big things that I think people miss in the whole destigmatizing mental illness is the most important part of it or it's all it's 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 part and parcel with getting people to recognize that you need help and there's nothing wrong with seeing a doctor or a psychiatrist but i think the biggest thing is just general awareness not so that even you can hear what it's like to have somebody have some sort of thing so you could recognize symptoms in yourself but so that just people can develop compassion you know to understand what people like people with anxiety aren't choosing to feel like you know there's a tiger right behind you and it's about to snap at you for literally all the time you know and it sucks and there's downsides and i think it can help people to to develop compassion for for just as a skill that can be applied to any situation whether personal or community or political or anything it just makes people it can make it can make you a better person i think just to to i don't know don't be a dick i got you it's it's still a lot to wrap because i just i don't relate to that at all yeah i mean i it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like fun i just don't relate to that yeah um i other than you know occasionally if i'm like in being impatient or waiting for something but that Mm -hmm. it subsides i'll just say a few things like all right well you can't control this so there's no point of just no point see i think that that that's kind of like that's the difference between having an anxiety disorder or an executive dysfunction disorder and just having bad days or having moments where you're tired and so your thought process is stressed or broken down and doesn't operate correctly. But you can pull through it, you can muster through it, you can get through it, get a good night's sleep, eat a good get a good meal, and you can be back on your game. If you have the like built in defect or built in disorder of not being able to regulate your anxiety or not being able to correctly have your amygdala process threats around you you need you need kind of like a booster it's like giving uh it's like giving nitrous to a car when you give a car that's operating at peak performance nitrous it goes insane if you give a car that's operating below optimal levels nitrous or some sort of an accelerant it kind of just boosts it back to normal so it's kind of always like being in a bit of a mental trough that you're always struggling to get out of and the medication is kind of like a life raft that it's like okay this has given me the chance to make myself a better person so do you ever do you are you ever ever able to get off this hopefully um i don't know about adderall but, no, but how, like the the SSR is like, mm-hmm. what? When do you know that you're done with that? Like, how? When are you like, you know what? Is it? Is it? Are you trying to resolve trauma in your past, or what's like? What? What has you always been like this? I think my my case 
is I have some mental illness. Like I, I know I have, I had generalized anxiety before I had any trauma because it just happens to run in my family, you know, on through my mom's side, we're all just very hyper anxious people. Um, but I think having those built in things that may affect you to some degree, because like I can remember having symptoms of ADHD that they talk about and not knowing what they were and thinking they were normal back when I was a teenager or like a young, like preteen of the kind of like the hyper-focus episodes where you would just, you get so locked in that it's like, it's hard to explain. It's like the moment, like when you're playing, you would know this when you're playing sports, especially when you're playing something that's like a reaction based sport or position, you just kind of go into a flow state and you just move like a base, a good baseball player doesn't think he just reacts, you know, it's kind of like that, except you get locked in on something that doesn't necessarily matter because you're getting the dopamine hit from whatever activity, like you sit and just like lose yourself in a video game for like 14 hours or something. And not just occasionally like, but all the time or things like that. And then environment and life stressors make shit worse so you know i go ahead question sorry no no but like okay i noticed that i've done some of these things in the past Mm -hmm. but i always had the agency to be like yeah this isn't healthy like i gotta figure out a way out of this right Right, and I guess you maybe did the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. So you ended up like seeking out help. So you went to like, did you see, like go to a medical professional to get this done? Um, I started in therapy first, and then after doing some talk therapy, you know, for like ADHD, I got referred to a specialist and did a diagnostic test. Um, through talk therapy, you can you can diagnose most mental illness like that, and especially for things that aren't like Schedule One narcotics like ADHD. Y- you can just like I for SSRI, I you know had a long time of describing symptoms and talked to my doctor, and you know we made a choice on Lexapro to try that, and mm-hmm. it just you know it's it's much better now because like I said back in the day, they would just hand things out all 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 day and people would be over medicated or unnecessarily medicated whereas now they're much more like deliberate with what they do you know and there's so many more there used to be only something like a handful of classes of of ssri and now there are a ton of different types and they all work differently and affect different systems and you can have you know, it's a case by case thing that you can mix them and they have certain effects that can help you. So there's just a lot more, it's a lot more ability to do it. So it's, it's pretty easy. Like I just, like I said, I went to my doctor and told her all of my symptoms of my anxiety. And it's like, I tried, which I think the, the mindset that people need to have about medication is try your hardest to do it without it. Like I tried for years going to therapy and doing coping skills and things. And for my depression, it would help occasionally, you know, you go through cycles, but 
it, I could never get past the hump of my anxiety. And it became a point where that was holding me back. And no matter what I could do, I couldn't do it. So then I started the SSRIs and my anxiety has become much more controllable and much less in much, much more infrequent that it's given me the opportunity to actually continue doing much more thoughtful therapy and doing physical activity and self-improvement in all kinds of facets of ways. Like it, it, the combination of medication I'm on has made me a better person. Like, I mean, you can tell a difference between back when we were doing podcasts with unmedicated John to medicated John. I, I I still have my, I still have my moments, but you know, I'm much more stable and I'm much more like not trying to cut you off at every moment, you know? Yes. You got real bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, but I miss the old John. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dude, you're crazy, man. You're you're you're. I'm gonna have to. Am I gonna have to commit you ever? That's the real question. Ah, yes, who knows? You know. <laughs> Dude, I really thought we were gonna talk about the Taliban all day, but I mean, we didn't. I think like you you're know, talking about mental health. Mental health. I mean, it all plays into it. You know, like like I said. This has been the, that, that incident, this is, you know, you can call this generational trauma or cultural trauma, like Jesus, Afghanistan, 9-11, the, you know, Oklahoma city bombing. We, we were supposed, I asked you, I don't even know how we got to mental health and then, but I think I asked you about the, the history, but yeah, mm-hmm. we haven't had any positive what it, let me try and think you're too negative. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me try and think about this. Give me a fill the dead air. Hold on. Okay. Hello. Well, I no, we, we landed. We landed a Mars rover. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's pretty positive. Uh, I believe we discovered Kepler twenty two B or Kepler something. So well, we okay, hold hold on. Planet. But I think we need. I think we need to exclude non Earth based things because I think that's easy. If you want to go space, there's like dozens of things every year there's the higgs boson and all of that but i think it needs to be specifically focused human on human earth um the pentagon released that there are aliens so there's that um okay so that's positive um it's also space-based i'm gonna try and steer away from that give me a second Mm -hmm. i've got it i'm just trying to think of like any medical breakthroughs or what, well, we had the co- the COVID M- M- uh, mRNA no, vaccine technology. No, no, I don't. know fucking stop talking about COVID. Okay, I don't want any more of that. Hold well, on. no, that's Anything not else. not just COVID. Just the specific technology to make make vaccines that apply Remi- to that certain virus. Still shitty. Hate it because there's a <laughs> pandemic. Find something else. So let me th- let me think. Hold on. See, uh, that's sports related. God, I'm such. A I mean, ligament show. tears in sports are no longer a career-ending thing. John Jones still hasn't fought, so pretty depressed about that. Okay, <laughs> Trying to turn this. I mean, I really don't know. I, I, I feel like there's something that's just, that was great that happened. I mean, there there are definitely things that are great, but this is definitely a situation of where you're just like, it's like you're overwhelmed with choices that you can't even like focus in on one you know it's like when you go on netflix and you're trying to find something to, to look and it's just like a million things and you can't make a decision dude 100 percent. i'm still trying to think of this um you know i we, guess 
statistically crime worldwide is at its lowest point in recorded history. So that's good. You know, world hunger maybe could be solved if, uh, you know, if Bill Gates wants to actually do something about it. Um, we, we've, we wait, hold on. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I thought mm-hmm. we found a nano chameleon and a uh, deep sea Dumbo octopus. There you in go. 2021. So that's positive. But I really, I can't really think of any like history, like Hong Kong, the contract between the, the UK and China ended this year. Right. I think it was in 1920. No, it was in the, after the China. It was after the the opium wars, I thought. Yeah, which is in the 1800s. So it was it was like a 150 year lease. The treaty. It was a hundred year lease, and I believe the treaty ended in like 1995 or six. But they no. Let me look this up, dude. It's I think it was a 150 year lease on the land. So that ended. That's not good for the West. It's good for China, though. No, okay. It was a 99 year lease that was started in 1898. Okay, that's what it was. So in the late 90s, it ended. I think you're thinking 150-year lease was, I think, Alaska. Maybe. Or at least that's the that's the legal argument that the Russians give that they want Alaska back because it wasn't sold. It was a hundred and fifty year lease. Wait, or something wait, wait, like wait. That. What? Wait, is wait. Yeah, that's I mean, real? it's it's not like a real big territorial dispute like some things, but it is something like there is a like an alternate interpretation that is very common among Russians that the United States bought Russia or bought Alaska from Russia in the same way that we bought, you know, most of North America from the French and the Louisiana purchase. But the other interpretation that the Russians like to push, or at least people that think it should be Russia is that it was like a hundred or 150 year lease. And the lease is over now. Well, I had no, I don't know why I, why I found this one day. I think I just went down a rabbit hole about reading about Russia. And Hold I think on, I found me, this. Give me a second. I, I'm Russian extremists want Alaska back. Holy shit! Russia did not sell Alaska to the United States in 1867. The Russian government only leased the region to the U.S. for uh, an indefinite span of time. There are now many in Russia who think the span has run its course and they want Alaska back. <laughs> I did yeah. not know this. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of kind of weird, but kind of like, oh shit, maybe Alaska is Russia. Oh no no no! Keep it. I've got a. This is this is fascinating. Tsar uh, Alexander II, who orchestrated the sale of uh, Russia, uh, Russia America, was mean spirited and corrupt liberal whose weak mind was captured by a Jewish. Wait, what am I reading? By a Jewish capitalist scandal bent on stripping Russia of his of it. Of its historic lands in Europe and America. Oh, hold on. Let me. This so it's it, into. I found this. I found this that it is a. There's no substantiated data or or documents to show currently that this is true. It's but it was originated by a Russian historian named Raza R A Z H E that he mm-hmm. claimed that he had access to the original documents that were signed by. Tsar Alexander in the United States. And he claims that Russia has a territorial claim on Alaska, which hell, who knows? I mean, like the Aleutians are barely part of the United States. They're practically in Russia, you know? I mean, 
Yeah, that's that is. That, you can look at you can you can I I believe you can look like see Russia from parts of Alaska. <laughs> yeah, I mean Sarah Palin can from her backyard if you remember correctly. I don't I don't know if that's yes, that's what I was referring to. Um, <laughs> but that's it's that is interesting. That's funny. That is a that's here, so here. A, this normally is, this I know is from the, the New York Times uh, from an article. In 2017, 150 years after sale of Alaska, some Russians have second thoughts. And the opening paragraph is, The reassertion of Russia's greatness has been a motif of Vladimir Putin's presidency, and his projection of military might and cyber power is in part why Russian-American relations are at their lowest point since the end of the Cold War. So as the 150th anniversary on Thursday of Russia's sale of Alaska to the United States, an event few Americans even realized happened, was a day of mourning for some hard-right Russian nationalists. So it's basically just like like Russian ultra nationalists think that they, sh- they have a claim to, to Alaska basically. Yeah. I get it. I get if I, if I, if I was Russian, I would probably be in that group. I'd be like, God damn it. We just got to get it back. <laughs> that, I mean, we that is get it back. Russia is, I mean, we could do, I would love to find, I might try to find somebody. It would be a cool show to just talk about Russia because Russia is this incredibly, I took one class. It's one of the hard, like the hardest class I ever took in college. And one of the best that I did, that it was a Russian culture class, that it was learning Russian culture through history and literature and film and stuff. And the whole, the whole of Russian history and Russian culture is this like nomadic sense of not belonging everywhere. Like they have this cultural anxiety that they're, they want to be an Asian nation, but they're not Asian enough to be an Asian nation or they want to be European, but they're not European enough. Like Mm -hmm. when the aristocracy and the, the czars, the czars were still a thing in Russia before the Bolshevik revolution, the most widely spoken language among the aristocracy and the the royals was french they modeled everything in their their royal culture off of france and they desperately like they were basically like imitating france in the same way that like those people in japan imitate being cholos but they're from tokyo you know and mm-hmm. that in it in it's pervasive all through their thing so they basically just have like cultural identity crisis and it's that's driven part of why their empire is to prove how great they are so they don't have to think about like you know oh what are we where are we from blah 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 oh yeah man i'm trying to find a link for you uh speaking of russian one (laughs) i went down a rabbit hole actually not that long ago Mm -hmm. um and i'm gonna see if i can find it um Also, we're at uh, 68 minutes currently. I went down. Oh, there it is. Yes, I found it. Hold on. I'm going to send you this link. You can put it in the show notes. Okay. Oh, and sorry about that. Um, I basically Googled black Russians because I was super curious. I was like, I bet that they're There's like, got to be. There's There 100% is, right? But I bet that there is like immigrants from Africa that have settled there and what their lives are like. Yeah, refu- that's what I meant, refugees. Or even immigrants, too. You yeah, never know. Maybe no, someone sure. wanted to. And so I Googled this, so and I desire got... desire for borscht is too strong. 
I got this fucking documentary. Okay. And it is about it is about a lot of Americans brothers from America in the 1920s and 30s okay. moved to Russia. Some of them got educated at some HBCUs okay. um, and others, you know, whatever, universities and whatnot, and then got contracts to go over there and help their agricultural. And since huh. it was a communist country, they had all, they had full rights. Sure. No discrimination, no nothing. Fascinating. And they fucking just settled over there. Huh. Yeah. Like like this, the girl in the uh that didn't put that in the show notes. The mm-hmm. girl yeah, in definitely. um uh that's like on the cover, whatever uh, the the cover of I don't even know what the term like is. Like thumbnail the, for the video. The thumbnail, thank you. The thumbnail for the video. She's American. Mm-hmm. Like American I think she's a dual citizen, but she moved back to Russia. And, um, cause half her family's there and there's a lot, it's super so interesting. interesting. So there are, there are, there are some of these people, um, there when the, the, the wall fell and then they went back to America to like visit family and shit, but mm-hmm. they'd been over there for a year. It's crazy, man. That's wild. I'll have to watch that. That is, that's fascinating. Yeah, I'm I'm really into like weird stories about that. Black in the USSR. That's the um that's the the documentary. Like one of the okay. ladies on there is super famous. Like she's a super famous sister that has a had a new show and shit. Like Really? It's it's it's, it's so cra- Yeah, it's so crazy to me to I mean, it's it's cool that shit happened. Like it's also like some some of those brothers were super forward thinking. Like fuck America at this time. I'm I just wonder, gonna stay in Russia. Does it? I, and I haven't seen it, but does it tie into the kind of like uh, black nationalism? No, nope, or the, none of like that. that cultural awakening in the seventies and sixties. No, 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 no. This is no. This is in the thirties. Oh, okay, okay, okay. These people left in the thirties. Some of these people from the south, and they went over there on those contracts, and they were just like, some of them were World War One veterans that yeah. like just kind of. I mean, a lot of black people stayed in France after World War One. Yeah, because they just were treated better. You know, they mm-hmm. were able to get the the high the French. Whatever the highest French medal is, like the I don't know. I want to. It's not the Red Cross. That I have no idea what it is. We Google that. What it's, is the French? Yeah, let's see, like the French medal, medal of Valor, something like that. Let's see, the Legion of Honor. No, oh, no, we you were close. Good call. You get the Legion of Honor and mm-hmm. then not get a gold. Uh, you know, gold. Ugh, man, my brain's done. <laughs> medal, medal, medal of Honor by the United States. You know, sure that type of shit. So they ended up staying over there. But the, this is just people that went a different route. There's a similar, it, like, kind of similar phenomena after the Civil War. Um, there were a lot of like landed gentry from the South that left the South and went to Brazil because chattel slavery was still legal in Brazil. And there are parts of, I'll have to find it. I saw another rando cultural documentary that in parts of Brazil, like very rural Brazil, where there is still like slavery isn't a thing anymore, but there's still like a plantation system where it's just laborers now, but they carry on all these traditions of the antebellum South, like the dress and the, the parties and stuff like that. 
Um, send that. Put that shit. You know about the. You know about the uh, a bunch of the Nazis that moved to Argentina. Oh right? yeah, in uh, Patagonia because it was just like Bechtesgaden. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, there's. St- I guess they're still there. They still have pictures of their families. That yep. are, that it's pretty Nazi. Uh, but I mean, there were Nazis. <laughs> I mean, there Hitler, were Nazis Hitler that- probably just lived the rest of his life peacefully in in Patagonia. He probably didn't, but there was also Operation Paperclip. <laughs> Op- Operation Paperclip. Hey, hey where we, imported- we never got to Berlin. We never got Hitler's body. I will die. I do not believe. You know the Russians would fake that shit. No, dude. They and Stalin plus, had it. I I don't think so. I think dude, either that no, or the Americans not- would have captured Hitler and just like moved him because the Americans love Nazis. Listen, this is a guy that just went in on a did 20 minute conspiratorial conspiratorial rant about how we might go to war with China. No, I'm not buying that. I won't buy that conspiracy. Hey, Hitler Metal Gear killed. Solid 5 was probably right. Africa is going to be the next the next war zone. Look at what China China's just giving away infrastructure to essentially try to colonize every part of Central Africa. I am so excited to get a a, a Chinese expert on here that's coming in next week. It's going to be fascinating. Dude, I'm super I am excited. so hyped right now. Oh, I'm so hyped. I got to ask him questions about how he started. But I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you guys who it is, but just know that we got someone that's, that's coming on. So maybe we'll find out that I am completely full of shit or maybe I'm right. <laughs> It's Who probably knows? a nice mix of both, honestly. No, no, I think we're. I think I think your boy's right. Well, well, folks, that's all we got. I just I gotta I gotta say this. You are the solution to all of your problems. Get outside, pick up some fucking weights, and get after it, or get help. Love you guys, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>